Hello, welcome into the charge then. This is episode 65 by our count. Um, yeah, it's been a while since January 6th, I think, is the last time we were here. So a lot of rugby's happened. Um, hope everyone's doing okay. Uh, I just want to start with um, the Six Nations documentary. I actually finished it there earlier this week. Um, I don't know, talking to you guys, you guys either hadn't seen it or had seen enough of it that you didn't like it. Uh, but I actually thought it was okay. Like, one of the big problems was the level of access that certain teams didn't give. So, like, Ireland just just didn't give any access. There was nothing interesting about them. Um, I understand why, based on how much access the Scottish team give, gave and how much material other teams would get from that um, mm. uh, a lot of the Scottish stuff like I don't want to hammer into the Scots like they, they, they have their own whatever but and mm-hmm. some of it some of it's understandable like you know the whole you know you have, you have to believe in yourself you have to believe you can do things and everything but you know say, saying that they're fitter than Ireland and you know they can beat any team in the world all this I know it's self-belief but it, it, it felt kind of like um a little bit misplaced, um, but that's what they always do. So they're just true to form. Yeah, like that there being a Netflix documentary doesn't highlight that any more than is already highlighted at every other juncture, and they're well known for it now at this stage. So yeah, you know, I guess they just have slightly more egg on their face. Yeah, uh, like and then the the other a lot of people said the most interesting team was Italy. Um, because they, it was a little bit of a kind of a, a grittier aspect to it in that um, obviously things are very negative because, um, you know, they lose every game and uh, all that. Uh, but Didn't they be well that year or was that the year prior? That was the year before. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, they gave the, the, they obviously created the narrative, whether it's true or not, that kind of Crowley was very frustrated with the players and the coaches were frustrated with the players. Like, I wouldn't say they... It, you kind of got the impression that they didn't like the players, which I don't know how true that is, but that's the way it was kind of framed. Um, calling them soft, telling them they need to do better, all this kind of stuff. And I think it just got across that they were very frustrated with the, the situation. Yeah, across in English, I assume. They didn't say it's in Italian. Yeah, that was the other thing. Uh, they wouldn't speak Italian either. Uh, everything they did was I th- I don't know maybe they're just not able to speak Italian but everything we saw they were speaking in English well think which... about like uh, the talent base of coaching in Italy and then if you yeah. want the best you probably have to pay to bring these people in and in, in most in some of the cases as obviously is the case they just probably if they're older like Crowley was like I don't mean if you're getting paid why would you learn Italian and I would yeah. assume most of the players can probably speak English to a serviceable degree anyway, so... Yeah. You know, it, I guess it does but, show a level of sort of respect. You, to, to you, 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 you contrast it, because they also showed the French, and Sean Edwards was there um, speaking French. I don't think it was particularly good French, and there was lots of, you know, you know, he'd say something in French and then, you know, say, like, fucking and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. cursing away in English, but... At least he was making the effort. Um, 
Yeah, it was, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of the whole series I found was kind of like generic kind of filler. Um, they kind of glossed over, like the one that annoyed me the most was they glossed over the, the Ireland-Scotland game. They um, glossed over the whole, you know, losing two hookers, uh, all the injuries, all that kind of crack. They just... Well, that to me says the person who was making it doesn't have a feel for the game because that was fucking amazing. Yeah, um, but some of that could be because they didn't have access to Ireland. There wasn't that much to show, if you know what I mean. Um, But yeah, like I've heard people describe it as basically if you don't know a lot about rugby and uh, you might enjoy it in that regard. Uh, If you do, you might get very frustrated and uh, be wondering... Why they leave this out? Why they leave that out? And all Are that crap. So. No, but that makes me think I don't know that much about rugby. So uh. <laughs> I've got come to accept that many years ago, and frankly, I'm happier in it because, like, I don't play it, so don't yeah. see why I should be, or nor did I ever play it. So, like, you know, I think to be honest, it would be a bit ridiculous to care too much. But yeah, to each their own, I suppose. It it was interesting to see the interviews with the players because, um, like they interviewed Freddie Stewart and uh, Blair Kinghorn and stuff, and like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, know, you could, like, uh, when Freddie Stewart gets his red card against us, like you could see the devastation in him, um, all this kind of crack, and Blair Kinghorn's basically saying that like place kicking terrifies the shit out of him, <laughs> um, all this kind of, yeah. An honest Scotsman, huh? Or is he one of them import players? No, he's Scotsman, but he's got to lose. There was also a weird phenomenon where a lot of the people they interviewed ended up are not available for this Six Nations. So it's like a curse. Uh, yeah. A lot of cover curse. Um, yeah, look, it's it was fun enough. Uh, I'd be injuries at all. Uh, they did go into they interviewed Sebastian Negri, who got a bad injury the year before. Um, I can't remember if there was any major injury stuff in it. Uh, Stuart Hogg, they were like, you know, he's injured and all this kind of crack. So we don't talk about him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. It was. I'm happy that they made it, and I'm happy that they're making another series. I hope they get a bit, a bit more access and a bit grittier. But say to the. If the idea of this is like a drive to survive, spread the game, mm. uh, the, the Six Nations will say to the unions, these guys have a lot of access. Tough. Yeah. It's uh, uh, they won't, so. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of like, one hand I'm like, yeah, I'd like access, and the other hand I'm like, if this interferes with our Grand Slam or anything <laughs> approaching that, I'll be like, no, Which keep them out. Ireland kicked them out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, look. We'll we'll move on from that. That was the year before Six Nations. We've had two rounds of this Six Nations, 2024. Uh, we're going to focus on Ireland first. So we had a big win in France, a record win in France, and uh, a competent, efficient win against Italy in Dublin. So where do you want to start, guys? Um, uh, well, I think you're dismissive to call it a competent win. <laughs> Well, he said that twice now, and I have both times. I was like, the word I, I feel like he's deliberately picking that word to, as a sort of a dismissive slant. But and I also was... think the win against France was possibly not as impressive as it appeared at the time. 
because mm. uh like i neil you asked before the the tournament kicked off like what what we thought how it was going to pan out and i believe i said ireland second i thought france were gonna i thought france are gonna be like us coming back after the world cup how we appear to be anyway and like uh kind of kick on a bit now i didn't know at the time that apparently they've replaced a lot of their coaching staff so if i don't know that at the time i might have been a bit more uh inclined to think that they wouldn't be sort of hurting from the World Cup and turn that hurt into forward momentum. But uh, no, they seem to have taken a major back step, whereas we seem to be steady as we go. So I, I'm not entirely surprised on that basis of how how big we beat them by. Like, it's just well warranted. It's, it's unfortunate we can't just fucking replicate that in World Cup clutch situations. But, you know whatever the lads seem happy enough so um yeah it was, a, it was a good match overall uh i definitely didn't anticipate such a big win i thought it'd be tight i thought we'd lose by a tight mm. margin we didn't which is great crowley obviously is uh he settled in nicely which i think we're all very happy with yeah um mm-hmm. he may have had a few errors early on and such but you know we'll take it because you know, it's so heartening to see a young bloke just having a go. Well, he's 25, so he's hard. he's still young, but um, not terribly young. But um, yeah, I think that's the most heartening thing I took away from like how he slotted into the to the opening is just that he's not afraid to have a go. Yeah, most people wouldn't be afraid to have a go against Italy anyway, but he was playing like similarly uh, adventurously at points in the French match. So you know, that's. I feel like you can't give a person that attitude and he seems mm-hmm. to have it. So, you know, yeah. in terms of like the worries we may have had at out half, I think are gone. Um, yeah, the only like concern I have is goal kicking. Mm. But it's uh, a minor concern because he generally kicks better for Munster. Uh, maybe it's a longer term issue, but maybe not. Yeah. And do you think like maybe we could train up another player like someone who's gonna always be starting the likes of Keenan say to, to do it or is it just stupid to take someone who's never done it I think Gary Ringrose has taken kicks before has he? Kicks. it's yeah. just not done for whatever reason mm. like practicing kicking does put more strain on you yeah um, possibly opens you up to more injuries as well because yeah like, well like uh, you're, you're, you're to be a good kicker you have to constantly practice that and yeah. either that means something else gets dropped or you increase the load on your legs which you know, maybe maybe some people just don't got it. I I do wonder though. Part of me wonders, and part of me doesn't. Is the the Willems situation in the French match? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we still would have won handily enough. Yeah. But I'm just there's an ever so slight element of doubt in me. That's what you get. Like that's it's like uh when South Africa said, oh, we would have beaten you if we picked a kicker, but you didn't. Mm. You picked a guy who's not fit, so he can't tackle. Yeah, and apparently he's in bad form at Montpellier as well. So, like, he's he kind of maybe... It looks to me like one of those, it was a, a loyalty pick of, well, he knows the system, he knows whatever. We've had him there before, on form or not. We we need someone to slot in there, so just throw him in. And <laughs> it probably won't be disastrous, but uh, as we saw, it ended up being disastrous. Like, I just... It beggars belief sometimes, like, I... I'd I'd be I'd be quite like sympathetic to these people these people like in terms of like I think the high tackles are maybe a 
a bit harsh. I understand why they do it, like the future of the game, blah blah, litigation, etc. They need to be seen to be doing something. But I, I would be on the side of like you know whatever. But he had no arguments. He was just fucking brain dead. And as I said, we still probably would have won anyway. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, I was to look good for the long term view. I'm wondering if is this France done now? Mm. Um, and the only reason I'm dismissing it at the moment is because Intermac and Dupont will make a huge difference to that team. Mm. But they spent everything to get to that home World Cup, to get the under twenties going for years, to get the clubs aligned with the union, to get best coaches, get a French man in charge. And host it, and then it kind of fell apart. But like it's yeah. it's a very hard and like there there the reports were like Galtier is an absolute arsehole to work for, but like um, oh, who was that Toulouse legend who's like their forward coach now? Um, you know Vez? Oh, will it serve that? That's the yeah, one. it might be a, like you can put an arm around you. They have a manager that's another player, ex player, ex international. Like so, you can get around it that way. Um. But Edwards is like a, a harsh taskmaster. Like I don't think he's an arsehole, but you have to work. You have to work mm-hmm. really hard. And their game is kick, 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 chase, 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 bash it up, and also bits of flair. But without Entema, sorry, without uh, Dupont to bail them out of any issue anywhere in the pitch, they drop down to a normal team, yeah. and without the commitment, like they they just get beaten. It's mad to think, like, I didn't think that's, I suppose when you're messing an out half and the scrum half, it, it's probably like anyone would suffer, especially with the quality of the players. But I didn't think, like, the drop-off from DuPont to Luku would be all that apparent. Now, there could absolutely be other things at play, like, there is other things at play, but, you know, from from my understanding of, like, how Bordeaux are doing in both the top 14 and the Champions Cup this season... And Luku being their main scrum half, like I was like, okay, that this should transfer over, albeit there might be a slight drop off. And I'm not saying like, oh, he's been error strewn or whatever, but you know, the difference between France and the World Cup until now is yeah. it's stark enough. And and I, I think like you said, our France done. I I would hope not because. I think like the more teams that are good, the better in terms of the entertainment and such. But it would be mad if like, because how how long were they real scattered for? It was like ten years or something, wasn't it? Of like twenty ten, the... they won the Grand Slam, mm. and they won the next tournament in twenty twenty two. They were yeah. bad at the twenty nineteen World Cup. Remember, it was Valmina, I think, got the red card. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it was after that that um. Like they they were bad at 2015 World Cup as well, and they started implementing stuff. But it was after that they in the COVID period essentially that COVID they started really getting good. Yeah. Um. Obviously helped by the young guys they were bringing through, mainly Dupont, Entomac, who I didn't rate as highly as I did, but he's like another guy who's improved in his absence because Jolly Bear is not an international out half. Yeah, Jolly Bear definitely struggles. Like, yeah. well, he doesn't really bring much, and he. He gives up a lot of ground. He's definitely prone to errors as well. Yeah. Like, what did he miss touch on? I I think Antimax done that as well now. Not everyone's probably done yes. it, but you know, I just feel like he has. It feels like he has at least three sort of big enough errors in in every, any game. Like there was that one kick where he he literally 
just flopped at it above his head and knocked it on. And then he didn't apologize. He looked all fucking mopey about it. Like the attitude after having made the mistake was problematic as well. But um, yeah, it's it's it feels like they're holding holding players for when the main guys get back, which I suppose is not really what you want. But uh, I think like it would be a real shame for France to to seed all the ground that they've made in the last like three three and a half years to try and make the home World Cup good to, to go yeah, back. But to now, where they the, were. now the unions aren't giving them yeah that what like they all did. the players they wanted. Mm. The under twenties aren't getting a full choice of all their players. Mm. Um, and, and maybe that doesn't mean much, but I think that if you, I think the players will now not down tools, but uh, I don't think they have the work rate in them to. But to it's crazy. Game plan. If if you if you take it back to like micro moments, oh. do you remember during the match? I think uh, did we get a penalty and we missed touch with it or something and. No, sorry, the penalty got reversed. Yeah. And Crazy they, penalty. Yeah, it was fucking, who was it? Someone, Crowley jumped in the air or someone jumped into his own player and I don't know, it was silly anyway. So the penalty got reversed. They kicked it down. They got to try a yellow card. If you asked me at that exact moment, hmm. I, at that moment, I thought we were going to lose. No, I was very comfortable in that game, surprise. Uh, once we started, um, uh, pretty much after the first yellow card, I thought we were, we were pretty much going to win. It, mm. Once once Porter came back, I was like, okay, we're we're in a good spot. Yeah, I just thought because it was like the cauldron of I know it wasn't in Stade Francais, it was in Marseille, but the home support, everything that just everything from that moment, I was like, oh, here we go, everything's going to go their way now from this point on. And in spite of the red card, they're still going to. Uh, but thank fuck, they they were still. I don't know. They just couldn't kick on from that moment, even though like they got. We looked so much. Smarter than them, so much better in mm. pretty much every mm. sense. Um, yeah. we, like it looked like we had a game plan we were going to execute with players all on the same page, and they didn't in the slightest. Yeah. Um, and it, it feels know. nearly like they're, uh, and it always annoys me when teams feel like this. They're a bunch of individuals who have come together and are and are trying to win as opposed to like what it felt like for us where you know each man is to some extent interchangeable with the person on the bench and the system as as a whole will still function hmm. I, I like i think and maybe france were still a bit like that in the world cup because they had like the men to do it and they still do to an extent but i guess when you take the coach talent out whereas we we're more or less the same are we regarding coaching from three big cup? changes in McCarthy, Crowley, and Nash. Right, now, I was talking about the coaching. Knew... Yeah, oh, sorry, coaching. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, we're we're the same as the World Cup. Right. Uh, Cash is retiring. We're not retiring. Leaving. Um, after the South Africa series, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Goodman is coming in. Feels good, man. But yeah, now the three players you mentioned there. Who was the third one? It was Crowley, Nash, McCarthy, and McCarthy. oh yeah, Nash. Nash obviously being the lesser of the difference but yeah i mean like we were what we spoke before at the tournament kicked off about like uh how we want things to go and i think i was kind of of the opinion blood everyone that you can in preparation for the next world cup but you know I'm, looking back now i'm glad we didn't because it does look like and touch wood we're on for a grand slam here so 
it would have been a shame they said but you know they're they're still blooding people in important positions and yet succeeding which makes it all the more impressive like yeah like it uh, the crowley thing we all knew was coming Mm. and nash made sense when the injuries started piling up uh but Mm -hmm. mccarthy was a big decision Mm -hmm. Uh, i think farrell generally gets those right he does seem Uh, to yeah and he's just this thing because remember two years ago he was got into the leinster team around this time and it was just like oh john mccarthy he was uh under 20s he was only 20 at the old time 20 year old at the time he was under 20 second row and he's playing a game in like cardiff and then he gets picked for he picked, picked like five games in a row uh over like the january six nations period and he ends up playing in the final i think that year off the bench um and then next year gets injured and then again comes back into the Six Nations squad or he might have been in Six Nations squad then injured. Comes back at the very end of the playoffs, doesn't really do much and then gets to the World Cup and now he's starting in away to France and absolutely bullying everyone. <laughs> mm. um, so it's absolutely great to see. Oh, yeah. uh, first of all, like a young lad doing well taking a place on a team, so a place can be taken in a team. Mm-hmm. And second of all, like the the talent uh, identification from both Leinster and Ireland were 100% right to fast track this guy, which is a bit comforting. Mm. Yeah, it would have been easy to, I would say it would be less likely to happen in Leinster, but like Ireland being the step up that it is, you know, it's so easy to just stick with the tried and tested and not rock the boat. But like, per, if he hadn't been chosen, like, would you guys have been, like, annoyed about that? I mean, like, he's clearly there on merit, so, like, you can't say, oh, well, he's, he's only chosen because whatever. But, like, I can't say if he hadn't been chosen, I would have been all too annoyed, even depends, though, like... Uh, if he was on the bench, I would have been still very happy. Mm. Um, mm. Like, yeah, I, like I, I think it was just that... Uh, it was a surprise pick considering everyone was fit. Like everyone in the um that was available, like we had Henderson, who didn't make the twenty-three, and Ryan, all fit, all decent form. And he just went with his went with the young lad mm. and it worked out incredibly well. You know what the most impressive thing for me about him is in mm. respect of how many things he's good at, is the fact that he seems to have the fucking longevity to stay on the field for 80 minutes as such a big man like that's and it doesn't really drop off in terms of his performance from what i can see like obviously that he benefits from his youth in that respect but you know it's uh that to me is like such a good attribute to have in a player it's someone of his size to be able to basically what appears to be able to put in 100 percent from minute zero to minute 80 and not really drop off all that much from fatigue like you know, that's. Mm-hmm. I I feel like that's rare for bigger players, and it sucks. It it sucks then when you get situations where there's your injury enforced to the other uh, second row, and you have to take the other second row off, and then you have someone on there whose whose level has possibly dropped substantially for the last fifteen minutes, who you would have subbed otherwise. Like you only put in them situations, and he with with how he seems to be like. I don't. That wouldn't be really a worry, um, which is great. I yeah. Just, uh, go on. 
Uh, I've been kind of very, very, very much blown away by his performances. Because um, if you go back to the La Rochelle away game, he had a big impact there. Uh, then obviously in the France game, man the match. Um, the Italy game, just like physically putting in hits, knocking people backwards. Um, I like that. I don't know when he rushed up on their outer. Yeah, yeah, just like... just things like that. I was like, this this guy is you know, At least. hopefully, yeah, yeah. Like, I I I I think I said maybe a few podcasts ago, and I don't want to put it on him. The Evan Estebet kind of, oh, but he could be. That's that's uh, impact. He's that type of. Yeah, he's that type of kind of impact player. Um and I do it does make me think it for from a Leicester's perspective, is he maybe a missing ingredient that could get us over the edge? We'll see. Um, yeah, well like we had we saw maybe a preview of it against La Rochelle where like we, we played him, we started him and he stood mm. up. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, other standouts. Like the one that stands out to me. Well. Who? Everyone. Everyone's doing well. It's a great. Yeah. Um, yep. I think Aki played very well. Mm-hmm. Low has been huge. Yeah, absolutely massive. Uh, like the worst guy, well, like the guys, it's kind of harsh when you're 10 from 10 points wise and you're leading. But like Casey, I don't think did enough to take a spot. Of anyone? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, mean like you wouldn't have him on the bench instead no. of Murray? I think if Murray was on the bench already and Casey was trying to knock him off, he didn't do it. Right. You mm-hmm. see, I think the reason Murray does be on the bench is because he offers like I feel like Gibson Park and Murray kind of play a similar game. I would say so. they play very different games. I would say Casey and Gibson Park played a similar games. That's what mm. I mean. So what I'm saying I'm is, why do you want? You wouldn't necessarily want same and same. Yeah, if you can mix it up, like you maybe you come up against a team that's found out an aspect of your strategy that they're exploiting, and whatever it is about Gibson Park's thing is what they they're like going at. Then having Murray there to kind of swap out, and it's not like for like. It 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 just I think maybe that's where Farrell might be coming from, or that's the impression that I get anyway. And also, I think this may be a bit of a tired fucking trope at this point but and I don't necessarily ascribe to it I'm just trying to think why you would have Murray ahead of Casey necessarily is like the, the old head to bring on and see out the game in the last 15 minutes where with his control and whatever else now I personally think that's gone out the window a bit with what I've seen from him in Munster from the, our maid last half a year but you know I I think it, it it all depends on what the coach wants really like do you, do you, oh, I do think you, that is his role. Hmm. Play the security, play the the good box kicker, the manager of the game. The yeah. well, not a fast pass, not the breaking threat, but um, I think that's. Like, think but like so. Casey's not making a um, a case for <laughs> his uh, inclusion. Yeah, and I, I actually think as much as you might bring Murray on to tighten things up. Yeah. Casey has never shown to me that he is one who can tighten things up. Yeah. So, like, if you absolutely need that, and then you have to replace your scrum half, if like, I feel like right now in his career, Casey is nearly, well, he would be incapable of playing with restraint, and yeah. you you might absolutely need that in those ten minutes. And I don't feel like you know, right now he would be capable of delivering that because that's not his game. 
So why would you expect mm. it of him, really? Yeah, but he's not even like excelling at the Gibson Park game. Like Gibson That's Park true. was much better, I felt, when he came on. Yeah, well, there is a big gulf there. Um, but it, as as you were saying, it does feel it's hard to like. I as sad as it is, I, I like to complain about people, <laughs> and it's impossible <laughs> to complain about anyone because they're all doing so well, you know. Yeah. Uh, which is great. I, like I, I thought Lamore was poor enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought um, Ryan, again, had a, a decent game. He was second highest tackler and he came off like 55 minutes in, but didn't do enough to take that spot off Byrne or no. McCarthy. One thing I do feel mm-hmm. with Ryan is that he, he suffers he suffers from his own early success. You know, yeah, his, his career trajectory is quite strange. And it's like if he was playing as he is now when he started, you'd kind of be like, yeah, this guy's, you know, this guy has got a good, future ahead of him whereas he played so goddamn well when he started that now his levels dropped off a bit so you're kind of like well where's the old ryan that was a world beater like and i guess mccarthy's the main beneficiary of that because he seems to be from from where i sit he seems to be having a similar career trajectory to james ryan maybe a bit less meteoric but you know uh, he's definitely Mm. a different physical specimen to james ryan apparently mccarthy only is like an inch smaller and uh, ignore every every yeah. stats to get from our view. It was uh, like he's smaller than Ross Maloney. There could be three or four inches. Just, yeah, I, just I, I was, I, when I saw that, I was like, "What? He looks so much bigger." Like, but I guess you can have two blokes who are like the same size, and one could like be able to use their heft far more effectively than the other for whatever fucking reason. Maybe center of gravity or technique or what? Whatever. Van der Fleer knows all about that, but um, yeah, I, James Ryan, like to me, he's turning into like uh, it's hard to comment on this because like I can't see it all that much, but just the unseen work guy, and um, mm. which teams absolutely need that, and so if he uh, if he nails that down, like you know, but it's it's hard, it would it would be hard to dislodge McCarthy when he's kind of seems to be doing everything, um. What, what about uh, throwing there, because um, obviously the second rows are important to this, but the turnaround with the line-out, um, that's, that's been, like those first two games, Like that, it's been near, I think it's been perfect, or very yeah, close to perfect. perfect. It is perfect, yeah. Uh, which is, I know that, that that's, that's unsustainably good, but um, yeah, it's looked crisp, and our defensive line-out has looked very good as well. Yeah. yeah, it's good because um, Peter Manny, obviously excellent. And we got mm-hmm. Ryan Baird, next man in. Very athletic, long arms. Um, and it worked both well. Sorry, the line-out worked well with uh, Ty Byrne calling us and mm-hmm. with James Ryan calling us. Um, so very promising. Like, complete polar opposite to the, the World Cup. Mm. You know what I really like about that, though? Like, I, I'm thinking back to that first game against South Africa where I think, Neil, did you actually turn the match off because the lineup was going so poorly? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was, I was just like, how the fuck are we going to win this? Now, we did end up winning it, but um, from then to now, like, and what I really like about that is it shows the value of effective coaching because it's a thing that is absolutely within your own control to, to an extent. The, te- the opposition team can still compete, but, like, it's something you can work on and work on until it's a well-oiled machine that is nearly functioning perfectly. And they seem to have done it. And like Paul O'Connell 
obviously knows who he's talking about, given that the career he had, etc. But it's just it it makes me so happy to see it. In mm. that, you know, they've worked on it, and it's clear they've worked on it, and everyone's benefiting from it. Like so, you know, get, raise that man's paycheck because whatever well, he's like, doing. Well, before going into this tournament, I said there's a slight question over Paul O'Connell, considering how bad the uh, line it went. Mm. And he's answered us with great, uh, great success. Yeah, mm. and maybe maybe you would say, to an extent, it is a personnel thing, like you mentioned, Ryan Baird. I, I'm not saying the absolute be all and end all of the success of the lineup has has his fingerprints all over it. It doesn't. He's just a unit that can slot in and out. But you know, I suppose the, the bread and butter of the lineup uh, for me will be the two two things of calling it and then the hookers putting it in and um, everything else should be kind of laudable inable edible but um yeah like for sheehan and uh kelleher to have been where they were in the world cup and to be where they are now like i, I thought in the world cup fucking kelleher could not put in straight for his life like he's mm-hmm. he's worked it, it yeah but the thing is the world cup, like people are saying like uh they're letting the coach down like no like every single combination we're using of hooker, of prop, of second row, back row is giving up ball. So it was mm. only really the Scottish match that it worked. Mm. So it wasn't like a a personnel thing. It was the entire system was wrong. That's true. I wonder then to what extent, because obviously you played, we played South Africa twice, did we? Or No, we only played them once. Yes. It feels like you played them twice in my head. Um, yeah, I was going to say, if if we had played them twice, it's just, you know, they're going to be pressuring you on your own ball big time. Especially with the second rows they have, but they don't, so it's an irrelevant point. And Peter's um, it, yes, mm. it, it will be interesting to see in the South African tour, though. Like, does the because uh, I suspect it will hold up. Obviously, it won't be perfect for the entire Six Nations, and if it is, it'll be fucking amazing. But um, yeah, just when the South Africans get into us, I think that will be the real test for the uh, for the change around in the lineout, and it'll be interesting mm. to see. Trying trying to think of uh, other standouts. Like one guy that's getting a lot of press recently is because he got injured in the Italy game. Hugo Keenan. Um, Great. Not I, I think he. <laughs> yeah, I I I I think he is. Uh, I know, like he's very highly rated, but he's 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 so underrated at this point. It's yes. uh it's crazy. Um, you could like, I was at the Italy game and. He's always at the. He's always in the right place. He uh, makes the right decision. I'd say ninety nine times out of a hundred. Mm. Can pass. Can kick. Is 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 arguably the fittest player. Some of the Leinster players think he's the fittest player in the world. Um, well, I mean, like they're the ones seeing him day in day out. I laugh, but you know, if anyone knows it, it's probably them. Yeah. So it's and like and then it, it does it obviously. Uh, it, another factor that makes him look even better then is also the fact that there's no real alternative at the moment um, yeah. which just adds to it the kind of the rarity of him well that that's a testament to him in that like I always say about people people having a fire lit up their hole like in terms of like pushing them on that extra 5% he doesn't have mm. that fire and yet he's still as good as he is so you know Jesus Christ and I, I say this in the most fucking complimentary way I can the man is robotic like, mm. He just seems to not put foots wrong in 
the most important and biggest matches that we'd be in. You know, it's just Mr. Reliable in every fucking way and and then some. It's uh he'd slot into any team in the world and be fucking first name on the team sheet nearly he's that good. Uh just for the love of God, hopefully his knee is okay. I mean it's what, Wales up next? So mm-hmm. you know not to be disrespectful to Wales, but I think we could probably get away without Keenan against them. Mm. But let's hope maybe he's back for England because like they seem to be big on the L kicks, less so now than in the World Cup. So, you know, that's when he should really come into his own. Uh, but yeah, Jesus, what a player. It's, who, it's hard. You said like a, a bright sparks. It feels hard to say Keenan's a bright spark because he's just always that good. So it's like mm. not unusual that he's that good. But yeah. It's great. Um, what about so? Let's let's go through the options of. So you touched on it there with the Wales, uh, the Wales game. So let's say we decide that okay, Keenan maybe could go if if it was whatever. But let's say we decide we're we're not going to risk him. Mm. Um, what? Who are our options at fullback? Because it's well, our next man up was Jimmy O'Brien, and our next man up that was Hansen. So they're both gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think you go with Frawley. Yeah. Okay. Uh, purely because he's played fullback more than anyone else, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do something where you move Crowley there, but I, I, I'm no, not on that no, at all. No, 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 mm. no, no. I, I, I heard someone saying that, and like the thought briefly crossed my mind that towards the end of the Italy match, but you just can't. He's, he's got a fucking run. He's got his feet. He's got his nails dug in now. Just let the man go. Yeah. Don't disrupt mm. him. Like I'd much mm. prefer, even if he was capable of performing better than. Frawley at fullback. I still wouldn't do it. I'd have, and I'm not saying Frawley is inferior here, but you know, I'd have the inferior person in that position just to keep Crowley at ten because, hundred percent. Yeah, you need Mm -hmm. that consistency, and I feel like it would just be damaging at at worst or at best. I don't know how to word this. I feel like it would just be damaging to Crowley, and I don't want that because you know, the first two games he's been so good, so let him go. What, what has Nash ever played a fullback? Don't think so. No, maybe it's fucking daily that I'm thinking of. Yeah, but uh, mm. yeah, like just slot Frawley in there and pray to God that he doesn't majorly fuck up. I guess. Yeah, he's solid. Like, I mm. feel yeah, like, like and as you said, like maybe Wales target him and like, they end up yeah. doing damage. But like, <laughs> I'd be very disappointed if it came down to. Um, the fullback's performance against Wales is why we lost. Yeah, all. yeah, I feel like the whole team is good enough that even if you put a poor player in a fullback, which Frawley isn't poor, yeah. but even if you did, they should probably still win. I would imagine. So, like the fact that Frawley's going should probably be going in there. Like he'll probably just be he'll probably just have an average performance, and that will and should be good enough, provided Wales don't have some fucking weird once in a lifetime kind of I, aberration I, of a performance. I just don't see how we lose them. Yeah, red cards now. That always happens. Injuries, but yes, that's always mm. the caveat. But I just think we're we're significantly better. Is is there a case for Crowley getting too big for his boots and just throwing mad shit? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. Like intercepts all over the place. Ah, uh, no, uh, we 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 won't uh, we won't joke about that. But I I I do like how like against Italy, you could see the joy he was playing with, and mm. I, I think you don't see that from too many players it was, it was great to see I think if there's ever an opportunity to do it it's against Italy like but you know testament to the man and I feel what? like 
if he was a Leinster player, like, and there mm. was an equivalent Munster player, there'd be bitter tones that, like, oh, yeah, I, there, I there's there's some people like um, this was the kind of the annoying uh, talking points of the week. Like, mm. it's it's a it's a uh, off week, so whatever gets like Matt Matt Williams was complaining about him or something, and people were talking about this and that. But there is like yeah like. Yeah, like there's all there's there, there's Leinster people who who are bringing him down a bit with his kicking or his whatever. Yeah, like in the same way that anything Byrne does, Harry Byrne or Ross Byrne gets criticised. Like even if even if Craig does the same thing, they get it in the neck. Like it's just the, the manner of things. Like uh, Munster professional Twitter, as I'm dubbing them, were were uh, writing off Joe McCarthy like all season mm. last season. He's no Coombs. <laughs> he's no uh, he's no John Klein. <laughs> My God! <laughs> Did you see that post on Reddit during the week about uh, now that McCarthy is like the barnstormer yeah. and James Ryan isn't starting? Is there room for Coombe? Because <laughs> of his uh, rook fucking statistics from the URC. Is this the same lad <laughs> from last time? I don't know. <laughs> it's just like it's funny how people are always trying to fly their own flag. Like, yeah. Like, mm. What? Yeah. What annoyed me was like when Sexton was obviously the go-to guy. Yeah. And people were like asking for something else i don't give a fuck what province the player is from as long as they're the best man for the shirt like mm. and uh crowley is really as yes. i think all three of us would agree right now the best man for the shirt i don't care that he's from munster it's fucking ireland like what does munster have to do with it in the six nations nothing as far as i'm concerned mm. if ireland do win and do well well if he was that's... from munster and he is it means they uh they won't give him a contract they want ireland yeah. to cover it <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a bit cynical, but you know what I mean. Like I, I was, mm. and it's just silly tribalism, I guess. You, exactly. You'll never fully remove it, but I'm mm. exceptionally happy that he's fucking seems to be the man for yeah. the job because I was like, I'm sure not. There's people all over Ireland worried about what was going to happen at Ivechaff, and it seems to have mm. worked out, and hopefully it does. Yeah. Now I do have a small quibble: is when people keep calling him young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not that young. No. Entomac was young. Farrell, Ford, they're young for out halves. But Bud and Barrett, like these guys all came in very early to their mm. national teams. And they, it wasn't his fault. Like there was a year lost due to COVID. There was, he had to fight his way off against uh, multiple out halves in Munster. And Johnny Sexton was the main man. But like, uh, they are younger that's what I'm saying yeah just... maybe if, if people started saying inexperienced at international level might be a better way of wording because when I say young another, that's kind another, of what I mean after defending them vigorously there there's another annoying thing last year when people were saying oh Crowley can cover 10, 12, 15 I'm like not at international level he's not proven mm. that at all he's got like 10 games yeah. played senior um, but very happy how he's going I think it's it's been a real uh, shot in the arm, I suppose. Maybe the words after that World Cup. Mm-hmm. Is is this um, another Farrell masterclass in that? Like, well, I suppose there was no real safe option at out half, really. Yeah, obviously, obviously Ross Byrne. The Ross Byrne option was taken away because of the injury. So mm-hmm. outside of that, then you're not seeing an obvious choice. Apart from maybe Crowley was the obvious choice, but like yeah. in terms of the John McCarthy thing, you know, as you say. There was a bit of a punt taken there, but it, to me, it does. It feels like a punt because it's working out so well, but it wasn't really one. Yeah. Mm. Like 
the antiviral um uh kind of vibes. vibes are immaculate is how I would describe them. Because I was reading I think it was an RTE doc, uh, article and it was about Calvin Nash. because uh, obviously He'd only ever played for Ireland once before or something against Italy. And then his next, his first Six Nations start is away to France in Marseille mm. in a game that will go a long way to deciding who wins the stuff. Yep. Um, and apparently he took him as, apparently he was talking to Keith Earls during the week and was like saying, you know, I'm bricking it. You know, I'm super nervous. Mm. And Keith Earls was like, you know, you've got to enjoy it. And I was going to crack and. Uh, apparently Andy Farrell pulled him aside and was like you've been very quiet this week and um, he was like yeah I'm kind of nervous and Andy Farrell just like talked him through like what are you going to do in defence what are you going to do in attack see you're going to be fine just go out there and give it a lash and I know like that's simplistic and everything but hmm. he seems that he seemed, too was very good yeah he's, he's and when you tie it up with like stuff like Peter Mann he was at a year or two ago basically saying it's the best environment he's ever been a part of Um. And I think you have to give Andy Farrell a lot of credit for that. He's created a a very, very nice ecosystem where people like to be a part of. And um, yeah. like compared to like Eddie Jones's uh, last two jobs, yeah. compared to what what looks like a, um, a France now, like it's it's not just a uh, an easy thing to do. Yeah. Mm. In fact, you might argue it's possibly one of the harder things to do to set up a culture that everybody buys into, and there's no fucking like backstabbing and spite and whatever else. You know, that's man management is probably one of the harder aspects of the job, or at least one of the things that people are less good at. Because I'm sure there's lots of tech heads out there that fucking can pull all the strings in the world, but when it comes to actually like getting the most out of someone on a personal level, maybe you know they just fucking flounder. So, yeah. Mm. Or plot it's to him, but I do think of of all the positions, like the the wing is where I think people can be afforded that level of sort of you know you're saying yes. Six Nations opener against France away, like it's it's mm. it, that is big, but in on the wing it definitely feels less big. And like I know we've talked about it before, where you say like, well, New Zealand would do it, and yes, they absolutely fucking would. So why mm. wouldn't we? You know what I mean? And he did stand up. I think they're kicking him a good bit early, and he mm. he didn't put a foot wrong he was maybe a bit quiet but i was very impressed with he seems to get good go forward in his carries despite not like being yes big we mm. use him a lot on the hard carry mm. and which he was decent at it for for a man of his size uh he gets the yards like which is impressive um and like go on he's been playing pretty very well for munster for the last uh yeah few. he was lucky i think not to get to the world cup yeah um, like Earls um, was picked because vibes, mm. <laughs> but like I think he would have probably contributed more on the pitch than Earls did. Mm. Yeah. Um. So like it wasn't just like this season he was good. It was it was a general, yeah, performance over a good few well, months. It's another case of like the the tried and tested option might have been like Stockdale, say where he's been there, done that, and he's proven. Albeit he had that dip in form, but he's starting to get back to maybe close to where he was. But, you know, me, and I just said it literally three minutes ago, what would New Zealand do? And they'd have the best man for the job who's on form, stuck in there, regardless of age, regardless of past experience. And to me, like, particularly in the backfield, maybe less so at fullback, but the wings, like, youth should fucking prosper on the wings. And that's where 
there should be maybe to be the most true but um if if mm. if we get more like okay he's had like what three caps but if we get more people like nash getting that experience at international level i feel like you'll inevitably find the best man for the job mm-hmm. and hopefully he will be the best man for the job going forward because uh he seems quite good yep so i think we've kind of covered pretty much everything through ireland um yeah. they're in a good place at the moment obviously um uh yeah uh we'll see how the next few weeks play out um they've already released a few players back to the provinces uh so they'll be playing this weekend um yeah what about now let's do a quick whistle stop tour of the the other countries in the six nations so let's take five minutes uh, to laugh at scotland (laughs) (laughs) what What did you guys think of the uh the decision the held up thing because personally i think the fucking law was applied perfectly and I have no qualms whatsoever. And I'm not just saying that because it was Scotland. Maybe it was my mm. own team I'd feel differently, but to me, the rules were followed and what more do you want? Mm. Yeah, I think it was correct as opposed to right. Mm. Uh, but now that Scotland won an apology, I'm, I'm very happy it happened. For me, for me, I agree with you, Dave, that they followed the procedure to the letter, as far as I can see. Um, I, I kind of looked at it, some of the Scottish and whatever were complaining that it's a flaw in the process. And I'm like, once you get down to that level, there's going to be a compromise somewhere where someone has to make a decision. And yeah, like if, France, if France were given a try, they might be, there, they might be annoyed. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's basically like the ref made a decision. Uh, they're like, oh, the TMO should be making the decision. It's like, well, he, he can get it wrong as well. And, you know, it's, if, you, if the TMO can't, you know, come up with a, uh, clear evidence to support the decision, and yeah. you know, you're screw- you're screwing one team, and you're just, uh, you're misappropriating the blame from one 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 function to another. Yeah. Um, like, like I think the, the TMO fell victim to his own choice of words is basically what happened. If he didn't say the ball touches the ground, I feel mm. like a lot of the controversy that was wouldn't have happened. And you know, for love their money, you would say the ball probably did touch the ground, but you can't fucking see it, so you can't. Yeah say for sure so exactly. move on mm. like that's the rule like and i love that people then were dissecting it even more and showing the space outside and saying like if they had to just spread it wide they would have just walked the ball in like do, do, uh, do you think do you think there's any because i was thinking about this um you know that if you get a meter out and the forwards basically a lot, a lot of time we'll put the head down and we'll you know try and bash it over yeah um do you think that's the smartest play in... Are, are teams getting better at defending that as in like... Yeah, they, they, and Peter Manny was saying at the uh, the game that like we're, we're going to endeavour to keep the ball in when mm-hmm. we're close to the line. Like We're not going to go for the the um, the try. So don't, mm-hmm. let, don't, like, don't call it up straight away. Let us get an opportunity to actually um, to play. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I want to hear from everyone. Like I'd want people to play, but I do I do think Rob, the the rule change in relation to holding up over the line mm. hasn't been fully explored by teams. I I get, and I've brought this up before. Like I get why you don't want them getting over the line because it's a risk. But I feel like there's times where I see defenders putting in tackles right on the right on the try line, and I'm like, he's in the perfect position to just kind of smother him over the line and not let him push the ball down 
and yet they drive him back. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's opportunities there where decisions could be made to maybe mm. tease that rule sometimes. Um, and I, I feel like if, if the rule, the held up rule was, if, if it became like the vogue thing for defences to do, to try and like basically soak tackles over the line, then I feel like, yeah, it would be an inevitability that the ball would be spread out a bit more. And apparently someone was looking at Finn Russell in that like whole passage of play and he didn't look outside him once now. I didn't There's go a guy like 50 metres out uh, with no one near him. Hmm. Uh, it was it was it was a poor play for them. It was, mm. but like to me, I respect Finn Russell a lot, and I think he's a very good player. I know you don't like him, Neil, but I think he's a very good player. Yeah, and I respect the man of his experience to like at least fucking look and check rather than just driving his forwards on. Like I don't know. I think he he let the team down a bit as well, and and how that whole passage was managed. Um, but I suppose it's always risky to try and fucking throw a pass. But and I suppose they all did. Uh... They'd say, well, we did score. Mm, yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, but, but when is Finn Russell being afraid of trying a pass? Like, so I just, yeah. I feel like he got, maybe got caught up in the moment. It was just stupid shit, anyway. Hilarious when it's not your fucking team. <laughs> yeah, so, and then obviously the first round, Scotland had, I think, one of the most demoralizing wins I've seen ever. Um, he seems happy enough, though, and. Yeah. So I assumed like Ireland would be the only team happy after that weekend. Mm. And then I heard some like the some reporting and some uh, podcasts like, well, both teams could be happy. I was like, not really. (laughs) Wales got hammered for the first twenty-seven minutes, and then they came back into it. Mm. Because the and then Scotland like the opposite. Yeah, Scotland had almost one of the worst choke jobs ever. Um, so, it, like, if that was against like a normal strength Wales side, you, you, it would be bad enough. But the fucking the youth mm. they're trying to bring through, like, what is it? Average age of twenty five. I can only imagine like the average cap is probably fucking maybe less than twenty. I don't know. But like, this is a pure rebuild, and mm. to be within a fucking hair's breadth of losing that match is just not good enough. Like it. It just shows a lack of metal, I guess. They 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 must have thought the match was won and just fucking taken the the foot off the pedal. But I do think, and I like it to an extent, is when refs take into account the situation of the match. Like I feel like the first yellow card that Wales got, if the if the match had been closer, it wouldn't have been a yellow card. I I don't know. I just think like sometimes refs look at things and say, all right let's be a little bit less harsh here on the losing team. And I do think Wales benefited personally. I think Wales benefited a little bit from that in that match. Yeah. But even, even so like that, that Wales should have never gotten close. If, if Scotland are the team that they seem to believe they are like that match shouldn't have finished even within 10. It was, it was a weird one. Like I, I like I struggle to explain it in my own head other than Scotland. They're just mm, bottlers. Yeah. Mm. What about I, the... I was just going to say all credit to Wales because, you know, they weren't getting anything from the crowd in the first 40 minutes and they weren't giving them the crowd anything. So, you know, I, I, if, if they had to come out in the second half heads down and fucking just shipped a massive loss, like that was the expected thing. So it was great to see that they 
whatever I don't know if Gatlin said something. I think they replaced their out half at half time and it, that seemed to make a bit of a difference. And then the guy who came off on at half time was the guy who started the next match. So clearly they've identified then like, okay, he's better he's a better out half, so let's run with him. Which I guess when you're doing a complete rebuild is probably you know, you're throwing shit at the fucking board and seeing what sticks. But uh yeah, it was good to see and uh, it worries me though just as on the broader picture how like Wales seem to need Gatlin to kind of like at some point mm. that has to come to an end and he said I think I heard somewhere in the media or whatever that oh he feels refreshed and he's good to go again now that the whole like rebuild is coming through and like he's reinvigorated to kind of do the coaching thing again but like you know you have to be looking post Gatlin now I feel Rather than saying, "Oh well, okay, you you're going to see us through to the next World Cup and then maybe beyond," like I don't, I don't know. I just I want more for Wales, and I don't know if they have the uh, the the Welsh Rugby Union is like cares about the medium term or the long term really, which is sad. Mm. But anyway, uh, in terms of the Wales England game, um. Uh, I enjoyed Tommy Tommy Raffel or Raffel. His yeah, his his performance was excellent. I thought. Um, yeah, I thought Wales were pretty good in that game. It, Not actually, but they they were okay. Uh, yeah, but they were um, competitive. But, which, if you if you said to me in the first forty minutes of that Scotland game that Wales mm. are going to be like competitive and nearly win against England, I'd be like, what the fuck happens over the space <laughs> of the next week? That that could be possibly the case. And yet there it was. But it's mad you mentioned Tommy Rafael that he's probably one of the senior players in that setup, like, and yet he's not like a known name, like the Falatos, the Sam Warburton, the Alan Wayne Jones is like if you asked, you know, the average fucking Irish fan or the average English fan before the tournament, like Tommy Rafael, does the name ring a bell? They'd probably say no. And yet like him, Wayne Wright, I'm struggling to think of other players, but George North, I guess. Like these are the senior blokes it's it's strange uh, george north's probably still pretty young but um yeah like uh, it's amazing to see it play out right in front of us just the total rebuild and mm. i'm looking on and kind of enjoying it as a as a storyline um like it's you were saying england there it's it's they're a fucking weird in a weird place as well i think a bit yeah what what, what do you make of england so far because they had a a close. Well, it wasn't really. It was a lot less close than the final score was. But they yeah. they struggled enough against Italy, um, and then obviously they uh, were incredibly ill-disciplined against um, Wales, and but they still got the win. Um, yeah, how 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 do you make the whole England project under Steve Borthwick, and where do you think they're headed, and all that crack? I don't think Bortwick is really the coach to get him anywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe he gets people in, he can get players fit. That'll definitely make a big difference, but I just just don't think he's the man. Yeah, from Um, what I can see. I think think they're they're better than... I'm not sure if they're even better than I thought they would be, but they're just a... They got some good bits about them. Like their set piece is better than it was last year. They seem to be willing to defend. Um, 
got a good kicker, a big fullback. Like uh, it's it's just a the ingredients of some decent bits of teams, but they're just not a good team. So having said that, we're still two and two. <laughs> the results don't lie. Uh, to, to me, like I, I, I don't know if it's Borthwick or what, but like they seem to have this very conservative view, like, and I think like that will win you games against. I think we said this after the World Cup. That will win you games against most teams, but like, you're not gonna get, win, you're not gonna win competitions by playing that way, and. Sure, maybe every every now and again you might scrape a narrow win against one of the better teams using that sort of fucking low stakes. I think someone said they're kicking less in the Six Nations, which maybe is a sign of green shoots in respect of like trying out different things, not just up and under and hope for a mistake and work your way down the field that way. But um, yeah, they confuse me a little bit because like I I look at the players and I look at what my loose understanding of how the premiership is now and i'm like that should be transferring through but i'm not seeing it like i think northampton are the main feeder team for i think they're the main feeder team for the english team at the minute or maybe it's just that they have five more players than they did but like they're playing great stuff at the minute and yet england aren't so i don't know mm. I, I just wonder to what extent borthwick is like bringing them down to try and play his game. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's fascinating to watch anyway. Um, it's, sorry, it's, it's, it's been a real poor Six Nations, I think, as far as our matches. The, um, the Scotland game, was, the first one was entertaining. And the other ones have been close, but like... Um, yeah. It, it, there's no, I don't think, I can't remember a time we were so much, much better than the rest of the Six Nations. Yeah. I mean, yep. still lose. Was yep. uh, just what? as we say here, though. Like, I feel like something has to go majorly wrong for us to lose. I don't like that feeling because, mm. you know, I like there to be stakes. But well, and in the same in the same breath, it's it's a good feeling as well. I I've already printed uh, t-shirts with Ireland Grand Slam <laughs> champions twenty twenty five. It's funny um, to say that because I have a, a Ireland Grand twenty twenty five. I have a 2023 <laughs> Grand Slam t-shirt and mug, and I maintain to this day that the t-shirt is cursed because <laughs> I was wearing it when we lost against New Zealand. So I'm not fucking wearing that goddamn t-shirt until we win this fucking Six Nations. But um, yeah, it's, yeah. No. What the only the only country we haven't really mentioned is Italy. Um, like I know it's gonna sound patronising or anything, and I'm not saying like they've figured things out, but. And I know they lost by they didn't score anything against us. I thought they played with a decent enough physical edge, and they made us work for a lot of stuff. You know what um, I think they suffered from a lot against us is they. I think they started with a different nine against England. Garbisi, sorry, uh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And he must have been injured or something because he did. He he didn't come off the bench against us, and he didn't start. And I just have it in my head now from that World Cup that Varney is fucking terrible at nine. Now, mm. he probably just suffered from the whole World Cup malaise anyway. But I feel like if they had had Garbisi at nine, they would have looked a little bit better against us. But I've kind of just gone off Italy now because I'm so fucking sick and tired. <laughs> Neil, I'm in that frame of mind that you're in that, that I managed to avoid over the last few years. But like, I'm just tired of the hope. The hope that kills you. like <laughs> <laughs> Just 
yeah, they're there and they'll they're, they'll play and maybe I'll watch the games. But until they mm. merit sort of being looked at with, you know, the thought that they might win, I, I don't know. Just and I don't think they played poorly against us necessarily. Like we're riding high, so. Yeah, like, was that mm. was the least amount of points they conceded us in like uh, 14 years in Dublin. Mm. Although it is the first Six Nations match they've ever had where they didn't score a point. Yeah. But that doesn't really mean a whole lot because most times they probably just took a three at the end or whatever where they would have had a zero anyway. But um, like considering where we appear to be at, and what was the score? 36 net or something like that? Yeah, but it's, mm-hmm. And we had a couple yeah. of tries uh, chalked off. Mm. Considering where we appear to be, you know, that's not a terrible reflection on them, I think. No, it'd be interesting um, to see how they go. Uh, what about the 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 one that stood out in the France Scotland game, the um, the Dupont rule, as they call it, where we had this ah, bizarre change, situ- change it straight away. <laughs> yeah, I, I I haven't been keeping up to date, so this was very new to me. But it it seems to be some sort of loophole in the law where if you don't advance towards the kicker, you can just stay still. I think it's the this... kicker doesn't advance towards them. Or yeah. pass the ball. Yeah. But but it ends up with that really strange situation where players are catching the ball and they're like waiting and waiting and waiting and just sit standing there and you get back That's, and forth. And What I don't understand though is how does the player that catches the ball benefit from that? Unless he thinks his team needs a breather. Which against France and if you're Scotland I feel like France would benefit more from the breather. You know, like, like, what do you mean? Like, he catches the ball, yeah? The receiver, yeah. Yes, the receiver. Finn Russell in the cases that I'm thinking of. Yeah. And the game stops for all intents and purposes. And he is standing there waiting to kick the ball. How is anyone benefiting from that? It means his team can get back on side and help him. But they can't. No yeah. one moves. Yeah. So, like, it's literally just people getting a breather as far as I can see. I also find it strange that if it's as, a, as an effective technique as as it seems to be, given how many times it was used in that match, like it was discovered in 2021, why hasn't it been done more? Sometimes it takes mm. to take a while to filter in. Yeah, I suppose. Apparently, I, I, I may have heard this in the Virgin Media coverage or whatever, but there was some premiership match where it was done 14 times in a row. Which sounds fucking awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't, I get why, I get the technicalities are real, but I don't get why they do it. Um, it's basically so. Well, the reason you keep your forwards in the middle is obviously to put pressure yeah. on the guy who's receiving. Yeah, and so they don't waste their energy getting back on side or yeah. whatever. And um, the reason why you don't move is just to. Take a breather. <laughs> no, 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 give you, yeah, give yourself a second to put the best kick you can. Yeah, yeah. I, like for the for the benefits, I think it offers. I'm I'm surprised we saw it as much as we did. Like the yeah, likes of, of French. Like, I don't team, want to, I don't want to make a mistake. Yeah, mm. I get that. But the, the, I, I I definitely get why France were the team to figure it out because like they they're known for their like monster pack, as some people would say. Um, so like. You don't want your Uini Antonios and your fucking Willemses wasting their energy running around in the midfield while the kicks are going back and forth. So, like, bigger teams physically would benefit from having their blokes not gassed out. But in 
in the scenario of Scotland versus France, I'm just like, why are Scotland doing that? But yeah, it, it may be, as you say, like to put in the best kick you can or whatever. But it, it'll be interesting to see. I hope it doesn't start creeping over the course of the next few weeks and every team starts to doing it loads because like, it would just kind of wreck my head a bit. Uh, mm. Like the tap and goes, like where they became vogue for the quick tap penalties, like at least that's entertaining and you see teams doing novel shit with it. This fucking Dupont thing is just like, why? It's the technicality, as you said, Neil, but it, yeah, hopefully they just get rid of it anyway because it's yeah. dumb from what I can see. Yep. Um, the only other thing I could think of, I know we're running out of time. Uh, what about the under 20s? Uh, yeah, uh, like, you, yeah, oh, against, against Italy, yeah, they absolutely did. Um, Marco Scalabrine is a. Uh, what if I, I'd be like, get him in the Italian team. Uh, but then I'm like, I don't want to ruin him. So, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, now, in one fairness, which I wasn't thinking at the time, this mm-hmm. Irish team did go away to win against France, which was an incredible result. Mm-hmm. And that was on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, away. So they got back maybe Monday, Sunday, and only had a short week to Friday. So that is that is a bit of a um a reason why there might be a bit flat. Mm. But uh definitely a lot of tackling practice need to be done over these couple of weeks. <laughs> but like they won. Mm-hmm. But I, I think uh, we do need to start looking at new ideas in our scr- uh, prop um mm. development. I think we're losing too many um not games, we're losing too much out of uh, not having good props at any level. And it's starting to filter down where we just get the reputation of doing that. Mm. Mm. But like generally, Under uh, 20 is great to watch. Uh, a pleasure yeah. to, to watch those games most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I love watching Under 20s. They, uh, it's just, they play nice stuff at the moment. Um, well, what is it? They've only lost two home games in the last four years or some shit. Or maybe not even that. Yeah. It, it we were like 23 out of 25 or something in the Six Nations. Mm. Mm. They're, they're, court, they're going for the third Grand Slam in a row, which is like crazy. Yeah. And uh, with the turnover they have as well, it's all the more impressive. Mm. Um, we're doing something right as a nation. Yeah. I was thinking this the other day, like if Ireland wins its second Grand Slam in a row, under twenties win the third Grand Slam in a row, Leinster, let's say we win the thing, win <laughs> competitions. <laughs> like are we yeah, like I don't want to us. No, but are we like the best team are we the best country at rugby? Uh World Cup. The World Cup? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um No, that's just what, what you have to do. Like you just have to keep keep performing at every level. And eventually, World Cups will come your way. Yeah. Yeah. You know what like, annoys me, though, is the fact that, like, it's not a bigger sport. Mm. Like I saw some, some people arguing, not arguing, but debating about, like, uh, how to measure, you know, how big is rugby. And it's, mm. it's like... Is uh, this globally now or just in Ireland? Just in Ireland, it's oh. like some people will go, oh, well, the participation numbers are quite low. It's like, yeah, but if you were to go by that metric, 
soccer would be the biggest sport in America, which you know it's, mm. it's obviously not. Um, but but then the different the contrast there, like if you were to pick a GAA league game, uh, the attendance at that would probably be higher than the the capacity in like the sports ground or something. So there's different there's layers to it, and obviously rugby is an international sport, so it has that added appeal of you know you're playing best in the world all that kind of crack i'm happy um, enough with where rugby is in ireland i, I just wish yeah, yeah. that it had more teams globally and that it was in a healthier place globally such that like mm. if if you were to tell me like 20 years from now rugby would more or less still be as it is i think that that would be a good outcome from from where i sit because like there's talks now i just saw there like the Highlanders team in New Zealand, I think, getting sold due to poor finances. Like, whatever about other countries, but if it's starting to fucking suffer in New Zealand, you kind of have to start thinking something's wrong because mm. it's, uh, New Zealand are the rugby nation. So if it's like not able to kind of be healthy financially there, then like mm. you know, something. I think something's wrong, but maybe they're just suffering the blowback of australia being shit or whatever it's it's a strange one i just mm. i just think i know the 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 rebels in us in melbourne are in dire financial straits as well um so yeah overall the health of the game in terms of like finances and stuff i think it's not in a good place overall for a lot of at least maybe i don't know if internationals let's say they they're probably okay but I don't know, that lower level, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, is, is there, that, this is probably something I should know, but is there like a second division Six Nations? I know there's not. Yes. There is. It might be called us, but there's like, um, like Georgia, I think, competing it. Spain, Portugal, whoever. Kind of... Like, I feel like that is a market that's not being fulfilled in the way that I think it could be. Because like the fact yeah. that I don't even know it exists, like you know what I mean. Uh, there's entertainment to be had there, and I feel like if it was fleshed out, the likes of me, you, whoever else, might be inclined to like pay some attention to it. It's just like I think there's there's definitely interest in these other nations. Like it's just not mm. manifesting into anything sort of financially meaningful, which. Maybe it's just it wouldn't make turn a profit anyway, but it's frustrating to think that there is interest in other countries like say the Netherlands or Belgium or whoever, where all those teams could be at a level similar to each other. Why not like kinda try and make something of that? Maybe there's just too much focus on like the top ten teams. Well, some of it is the top 10 teams are like, it's a closed shop. We look after ourselves. Um, and then they, they have the, that system where World Rugby, where isn't it the the top 10 teams or whatever have like extra voting rights and basically determine the whole thing. And it's maybe a, it's a discussion for another podcast. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's, it's, um, Definitely something because they always talk about growing the game and all that crack, and yeah, it's hard to see how um, they do that. You can talk the talk, but like at some stage, fucking something has to be shown for it, and I'm not seeing it. So anyway, true, true. All right, so 
we'll leave it there. Uh, another three games to go in the Six Nations. Leinster are back this weekend. Um, yeah. All right. See you around, people. Bye-bye. Oh.